God's word. Not Pastor Edmund's word. Not Pastor Sarah's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I'm going to have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, bless our time together. We thank you for the spirit of God that is here to teach us. And we declare we will leave better people than when we came in. We thank you for understanding, for clarity of speech, and open minds. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As we approach our fourth lesson in our series entitled Prosperity for the Promise, we've learned so far that God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to him and to others. Amen. Amen. Now, many times we're asked or in some cases told, you know, what to give or how to give, but not really understanding You know, the foundation of giving. So this morning, I want to talk about, and I really don't have a good title to it. So I'm going to title it whatever you want to title it. That's the title. So you can just put it at the top. Whatever you get out of the lesson, just put that at the top. What I got out of the lesson. Now, before we jump into the lesson, I want you to write down three things. There are three positions as Christians that we can take. When it comes to financial matters in our lives. And and this morning I'm going to try to be as transparent as possible. I could actually teach this lesson without even opening the Bible. Because it's inside of me. Some of the best lessons to learn from someone is when it's in them. And so there are three positions that a Christian can have. First of all is not enough. Number two is just enough. And then number three is more than enough. What was the first one? Not enough. enough. And this is a position of need. It's where we constantly have need in our lives because our expenses outweigh our income. This position is not only stressful, but watch this now. It's not God's best for our life. How many know that not having enough is, is not God's best for your life? It's not God's best for your life. And people who live in the not enough category have to live by miracles. God never designed us to live by miracles. He said we're supposed to live by faith. Now, at least living by faith is controllable. See, you got saved by faith. It was your decision. It was your will. But living by miracles, we can't control miracles. Amen. So everybody say not enough. Then you have just enough. And this is a place where our needs are being met without any extra. It's where we can't afford for anything to go wrong or it puts us into a financial tailspin. In other words, you got just enough money coming in to pay everything. 
But boy, don't let that tire go flat. Man, you're going to have to fast and pray. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so even just enough is not God's best. And let me tell you why. Because if you just have just enough for you, then you can't fulfill the promise that God made Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. So if I have just enough for me, I don't have enough for you. Then we have the third category, which is more than enough. Say more than enough. Go to Luke chapter 16. We'll start here. And uh, babe, you can jump in anytime you want to. Luke chapter 16. And we're going to be transparent this morning about how we do stuff and, and where we've been and struggles we've had. And, and uh, yes, I saw a when picture. you didn't have no budget. Remember, you didn't have no budget for a while. You didn't have no money to spend. You know, oh, I'm talking about oh for, okay, for an allowance. I was like, See, that's just so long ago she don't even remember. See that? That's good. No, I remember one time my wife's budget for the month was $50. That's right. That was for a very long time. Like for a very eight, long time. nine years of long time. $50. That's all she got. That's I mean, all we could afford. I mean, like for maybe 10 years almost, I made only $800 a month. Right. Well, because most of the time, she, we lived off of what I made. Let's just tell see, you this story. See, if you, story. If, you, if you are in a commission-driven job, like for instance, I used to sell cars. But then I also worked in corporate where I was a salesperson. So I had a salary plus commission. Mm -hmm. Well, I made sure that I didn't live off of the commission. Correct. So our, our base uh, income or our budget was on what I brought in as a salary. And so when I got commission, man, that's when we went Ooh, on a mission. Boy. We went to I mean, that's when I bought Rolexes and that's when I got all that stuff because... I didn't live off of that. But, but the moment you take your, commi your commission and you make it part, part of your everyday living, you're in trouble. Because commissions go up and down. Right. Amen. Now, one of the things, the reason why this is so important is, um, you know, when he talked about the three positions, you know, not enough, just enough, or more than enough. Those are not just physical positions. They're mental positions. Yeah. They're mindsets. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason I want to bring this up is because I've had all these three mindsets. Based on my background. Now, pastors always had a different mindset about it. Um, but when we grew up, we didn't have enough. My parents made enough, but we didn't have enough. How is that possible? Okay. Because you can have parents who are irresponsible. Okay. Financially. And they do everything else but what they're supposed to do first with the money. And that's just the truth of it. You can make the money, but if you, don't, if you as a parent or you as a family don't take that money and pay the bills, meaning school fees, buying the books, paying for lunch, doing those kind of things, you're doing what you want to do or you're doing what other people want you to do, then you as a child suffer. So we made enough, but we didn't have enough. And based on that kind of um, behavior, I came into the marriage with the thinking that it will never have enough. So when you think that you'll never have enough, you begin to manipulate. You begin to try and figure out how can you do it. You begin to store everything and hold on to everything because you're scared it's, 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 you know, it's going to go away. And so pastor's mindset had always been, man, I'm going to do something great. I'm going to, you know, I'm good at managing money. Mine was, I've never had enough money to manage. So I'm just going to spend it all and all today because tomorrow may die. 
Isn't that right? That's right. Right? And so, I mean... Somebody telling the truth today. Somebody telling the truth. So mine was, Same you know... the devil. Yes, yeah, I right. mean, and, and then when I got married to him, and I'm thinking, man, I've never had the opportunity to even have $50 before, so I'm going to spend it all today. Man, soon as she got that money, it was gone. Zoom! You, you know, know what they call it? Uh, what they call it? Uh, you're burning your money, burning money, your burning your hand. Right. So she I'm get saying, that money. And I'm like, babe, where your money? At? It's gone. Next day, gone. Yes. And so my mindset came from was was a not enough mindset. And so what that ended up uh, for with me doing to him was pressuring him. So inadvertently, I would pressure him. You know, why we can't have enough. Then I would compare myself to everybody else. You know, Man. I don't have this and I don't have that. And, you know, I want to be able to do this and I want to be able to do that. But we're just married. You know, we may be just been married three years and I'm looking and comparing myself to people who are married 15 years, 20 years, 500 years. And I'm thinking we should be there now, you know, because my mind is it's not enough. And it will never be enough. So no matter what I would do for him, then that puts a pressure going. There's nothing I can do to please her. And I'm saying this because there's some of us out there that are doing that. And that place of not enough is coming from a childhood place. And if you don't deal with that, you'll never get to the land of more than enough. Because a, more, a not enough mindset cannot live in a more than enough place. And then you get to the place where it's just enough. So you kind of graduate and you think, okay, this is it. We're always just going to have just enough for our bills. So what you begin to do is begin to live in a very tight mode. You know, you begin to think like, okay, I can't, you know, you... It's like subconsciously you have this stress that says, I can't give more than this. I can't do more than this because then everything's going to fall apart. And you begin to approach your money in this panic, fretful way. And what it does is it drives money away from you. It doesn't attract it to you because money is only attracted to a place of abundance. You can only have abundance if you have an abundant mindset. And abundance only comes to people who are going to do the right thing with the abundance. Right. And so I'm trying to encourage you that it's not a physical place. Getting to this place of more than enough is way mentally first. So if you had a hard childhood growing up, you had a not enough childhood um, teenage years, that kind of stuff. You got to get to the root of that real quick and say, you know what? That was then. But God has a different plan for me now. And what his word says is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to transform my mind. And I found that when I got to the place of, you know what? It's not about me. It's about blessing God's people and loving to do it. There, you know, when you get to that place of wanting to have so much, but it's not for you, you always end up having so much because it's not for you. Yes. And so that's, the, that's, that's what we're trying to I wanna, talk about today. I want to repeat this again. People in the not enough category have learned to live from miracle to miracle or have learned how to manipulate. Amen. Now, in Luke 16, are you there? We're talking about more than enough. And this is a place where all of your needs are met with enough left over to supply some or all of our wants as well as being a blessing to other people. In, in uh, Luke 16.10, here's a good example of this. I love this. Because, see, you won't get into the more than enough category until you do the right thing with the little that you have. In verse 10, it says, he that is faithful in that which is least, he is faithful also in what? In much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust in what? So listen, there is a myth out there that says, when I get more, I will do more. When really, that's a lie. 
Because God is measuring our next level of success and our next promotion financially with what we're doing with what we got right now. Next level success based on current level activity. There you go, right there. That's a good take-home statement. Say it again. Next level, your next level success is based on your current level activity. That's good. That's good. So, uh, you don't have to go, turn there. Go to, uh, I'm, I'm going to read Genesis 33, 10 and 11. This is Jacob. And he said, please, if you, and this is in a different version. This is in the message translation. He says, please, if you can find it in your heart to welcome me, accept these gifts. He was talking to Esau. He says, when I saw your face, it was as the face of God smiling on me. He says, watch this now, accept the gifts I have brought for you. God has been good to me and I have more than enough. Jacob was telling Esau, listen, I have a gift for you and I want you to take it. He said, because I got more than enough. Everybody say more than enough. And, and the more than enough position is such a wonderful position. You know, when I, when I give I mentally visualize how people are going to react. Yeah. You know, it's fun to give away money. Yes. I mean, I want you try how many work on a floor that's like maybe five floors or higher in your office. Let me see. How many got a window in there? I, I dare you to just go to the window and have about 25 $1 bills and just start throwing them out of the window. <laughs> Man, you'd be surprised what pe- people going to be like birds. It is a joy to give. And the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I asked the Lord, why do you like cheerful givers? I know you don't hate uncheerful givers, but why do you like cheerful givers? And this is what he told me. He says, I love cheerful givers because when they're giving cheerfully, I see my image in them when they do it. For God so loved the world that he was. So when we give cheerfully, God sees himself in us. Isn't that awesome? Well, one of the things I want to point out about this scripture, because, you know, I always see the people in the Bible who are just like me, which is all the evil people in there, you know, which is everybody in the Bible except Jesus, and by the way. <laughs> but G, um, Jacob, I mean, you know, Jacob was like the master manipulator, you know? I mean, you know, he, I mean, you know, he was like skilled in lying. He was the one that uh, stole the birthright. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're, I'm trying to bring you up to speed on Jacob, right? And you may not own up that Jacob is you too, but it's okay. I mean, he, Jacob, what the other one who cut off the air? Peter, I like him too. He's kind of like me. Yeah. So um, anyway, so, so Jacob, what I love about this scripture though, for I'm real. To take my ears at night. <laughs> for real is um, Jacob was known for lying and manipulating, right? But then the Bible said two things, two instrumental things happened in his life. One, he got to, to a place where he was wrestling with God. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says that he wrestled with God and God granted his request. Mm-hmm. The second thing was that he sowed in a time of famine, mm-hmm. right? Now, when he brings this part up here and he says, um, please, if you, this is uh, Esau. Esau had been hunting Jacob in, you know, to kill him for a while because Jacob had stolen the, the birthright. Jacob was afraid of Esau and many, many years had passed, but he was not sure if Esau was still angry with him. He did not know what the response was going to be. Jacob defaulted into his manipulative state because he's saying here, if you can find it in your heart to welcome me, accept these gifts. When I saw your face, it was like the face of God smiling. That is not true. 
the, the scriptures before said he was scared of Esau. He divided his family left and right, right and said, at least if I die, there's some of us left to still carry on. And I'll make, up, make sure you get all these donkeys and all these camels and put all these gifts on him. Because maybe if I give my brother this gift, he will not be angry at me. So Jacob, why am I saying this? Sometimes you feel that you have to be in a perfect position in order to get blessed from God. Sometimes you, you judge yourself so bad and you put your mindset back into a default position. But God is saying, even if when it comes to tithing and offering and giving and obeying his principles, even if you default every now and then mentally because you kind of got scared or you got tripped up or the car broke down or somebody went to jail and had to take your money, don't mean you don't get back on course. You get right back on course. And just because what you were came back up doesn't mean that's who you are anymore. Because he did tell a truth. He said, God has blessed me way and above. And so therefore I have more than enough. And you can still be in a more than enough mindset and every now and then get tempted to go back, but don't stay back there. So any of you who are struggling right now and you're saying, boy, you know, giving Sunday's coming up and your mind is going, but I don't have, you got to recognize that's a Jacob in you go. No, no, that's an old Jacob. The new Jacob says, my confession is I have more than enough. Praise the Lord. In fact, go to, go to Genesis 27. I'm going to confirm what she's saying. Genesis 27. I'm going to read verse 41. Genesis 27, 41. It says, and Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing. It says, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. Watch this now. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will slay my brother Jacob. Let me tell you something. When you get to the more than enough category, you're going to develop haters. Haters. Close haters. See, when you stop calling mama to borrow some money, mama can't manipulate you no more. See, some of us are being manipulated by our family because they know that you need them. But wait to the day when you don't need them no more and you're not calling them anymore when you need something. And now, because you don't need them, you don't got to do what they say no more. Amen. Amen. More now, than enough. More now, than enough. Now, now, now go to, uh, quickly, go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 because we out of time already. Jesus is the Lord, ain't he? We got, uh, we got eight minutes. Go to go to Mark chapter ten. Go to Mark ten, and then I want you to write down Psalm twenty three because the more than enough category is where God wants us to be. David said, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." The word "want" means to be in need. So basically, what he was saying is, "Is the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not be in any need." Now, you may be here saying, well, pastor, I got some need. Well, what are you confessing? Are you confessing that you have need? Or are you confessing that all of your needs are met? Now, in Mark chapter 10, are you there? Mark 10. I want you to look at uh, verse 28. Mark 10, 28. And this is what it says. I love this. It says, then Peter said... Uh, in verse 28, then Peter said unto them, Lo, we have left all and we to follow you, Jesus. Then Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he or she shall receive 
a hundredfold when they get to heaven. When did it say? When? Now, when is now? Now is when? Now is now. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Now is right now. He says, who will receive a hundredfold now? When? In this time, he goes on to say, houses. Where am I at? Verse what? Verse 30. Okay, I can look at the screen. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands. But here's the part I need you to see because the more than enough category comes with haters. It says with what class? Notice it says persecutions. They're just going to be some people that just don't like you. For no reason at all. But you got to know it ain't nothing but the devil. See, the devil is not your boss. The devil is a spirit. I remember years ago, everybody say years ago. Years ago, when I was single, I walked into, I was going, you know, I I was going to the grocery store. I don't know why, because I don't cook. But I was probably going in there to buy some candy or something. In fact, that's why I was going. So I went to the grocery store and I went to, you know, I was looking in there. And so, you know how they have the candy right there when you check out. They do that because they want your kids to act a fool. And they know you can't whoop them right there. So you go ahead and give it to them. So they put the candy right there. Well, here it is. Uh, I'm looking at what kind of candy I want to buy because I have a sweet tooth, right? So here is the candy thing right here. And it's only this much room right here between me and the candy rack. Now, all these other aisles were open. Now, I'm sitting here looking at what I want to buy. And when I look up, this guy comes into the grocery store. We make eye contact. And he looks at me like, I will beat the snot out of you. And I looked at him like, try it and see. But I knew that was the devil. I knew it was the devil because, you know, you can see how the devil look in people. Here it is. I'm looking at what candy I want to buy. Babe, come stand right here. You stand here. You be me. Out of all the different aisles, he wants to come and do this. That's right. Exactly. Now, listen. But, but really, he stopped. He didn't, he didn't keep moving. He stayed right there and blocked me from looking at the candy. I'm not kidding you. I put my hand on the Bible. <laughs> Y'all know saying that when you were growing up. Cross my heart, hope I die. You know, stick a needle in my eye. I, 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 you know, over my mama's grave and all that old crazy stuff. Y'all remember that crazy stuff? Mama ain't even dead. How's she going to turn over in her grave? But he stood right here. I had a choice. The first thought came to my mind, I promise you, was to hit him right in the back of the head. (laughs) Just steal him. That's what we used to call it growing up. Just steal him right there. Bam! (laughs) But then the second thought came to my head. Rebuke that spirit. So I said under my breath, I rebuke you, devil, in Jesus' name. Get out of my way. That's exactly what he did, too. He just moved on out of the way. He just moved on like nothing ever happened. Everybody say haters. haters. When you start pursuing the more than enough level, you're going to attract some enemies. Yes. Yes. Amen. 
just like your light attracts bugs, increase attracts enemies. Amen. Now, how much time we got? Man, we don't have enough time. Okay, let me give you these four ways that you can give real quick. Well, All right. Okay. I got two categories to do this. Go, go ahead. Okay, he has four ways you should give to God, but they fall into two categories. Someone asked me on Facebook this question, and the answer I gave them uh, seems like in line in here. There's okay. two ways, two motivations you can give uh, in giving. He's going to talk about ways, but motivations. I'm talking about motivations. One, you can give out of a purpose, purpose in your heart. Right. Second Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, as a man purpose in his heart, so let him give. Right? Um, so you can purpose in your heart. When you purpose in your heart, you do it in four ways. And pastor's going to tell you what those four ways are. So you can deliberately, on purpose, choose to give something. Has nothing to do with anything else. You can go and see something for somebody and go, oh, I thought about them. Everything doesn't have to be a fasting prayer moment. If you see something you like and you can do it and you want to bless somebody, just do it. Right. All right? You can do that on purpose. You can give on purpose. And the other way of giving is through prompting. This is when the Holy Spirit prompts you. And this doesn't happen necessarily all the time. Normally, this is something above or just different than uh, normal for you. So if you normally on every Friday bless somebody in the Starbucks line, you have purpose to do that. But if you go on this particular Friday and God says, you know what, don't just do one person, do ten. That's a prompting. So prompting is always usually above what you were desiring to do and more than what you thought to do and different. It's not the same timing. It's the Holy Spirit directed. So uh, when we say like forgiving Sunday, ask God what, you, what he wants you to give. That's we're asking you to ask him to prompt you and then you're going to make man act of your will, purpose in your heart to do it and therefore activate your faith. So four ways we purpose in our heart to do. All right. So number one is you can give systematically. Write that down systematically. And this is when we give to God on a regular basis. Everybody say regular basis. Go to 1 Corinthians 16 and we'll close with this scripture. 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. Everybody say systematically. This is something that God doesn't have to prompt you to do. This is something that you do because you're supposed to do it. God should not have to prompt you to tithe. He don't have to prompt you to go to work, though, do he? I mean, I have, I, I have, I've never had a discussion with somebody that says, the Spirit of God woke me up to go, up, you know, to, go to work this morning. No, it didn't. The bills woke you up to go to work. In 1 Corinthians 16, let me show you systematically. In verse 1, he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so I to you. Upon the first day of the week, that's their worship day, we call it Sunday. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you, who? Every one of you, lay by him in store as God has what? prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. And I want to read this in the message translation. It says, now here are the directions about the money you are collecting to send to the Christians in Jerusalem. And by the way, these are the same directions I gave to the churches in Galatia. On every Lord's day, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for this offering. The amount depends, watch this now, on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Don't wait until I get there and try to collect it all at once. When I come, I will send you, send your loving gift with a letter to Jerusalem to be taken there by trustworthy people. In other words, he was saying, you know, have your gift ready. 
when it's time to give on giving Sunday, you, you shouldn't be trying to figure out on that day what you're going to give. Unless it's over and above what, what you're already going to give. Because sometimes God will prompt you to do more than what you expected. I remember the first time when, when uh, this, this happened to me. And uh, in a public way, because, uh, you know, my pastor, they have the conferences. And, and so they ask pastors to come up and announce what their giving is. And so I, I wasn't used to that. I just, you know, I, I'm just used to putting it in the bucket and passing. But and they, pastor was like, sweet, I don't want to do it. I was like, well, you have to do what, what the order the host that's is. What so they, they, that's the way they do you it. And so and so uh, I got up there, and uh, this is when the Lord told me to give my first Rolex away. How many know I was not a cheerful giver that day? <laughs> I was not a cheerful giver. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't a cheerful giver. But what I did not know, because, see, there are some rewards to, to sacrificial giving or what I'm going to call spontaneous giving because that's what she was talking about. Spontaneous giving. Let me just give you all four of them real quick. One of them is systematic. One of them is sacrificially. Number three is giving spontaneously. That's when you're being led by the Spirit. And then number four is when you give strategically. Like when we were believing for Landon and we were sowing right. money deliberate for that. Like we're believing for the land right now and our church we are, are strategically sowing um, for our building. So we, one of the ways, like, for example, we were sowing to people who may uh, just complete a building project. That's a strategic seed for Word of Truth to sow into another church right. that's just completed something. They have been somewhere we want to go. So right. that's a strategic way of sowing. Now, I want you to write this down. You can only reap from what and how you have sown. I'll explain it. You can only reap from, from what and how you have sown. What does that mean? In other words, you have the right to reap from someone else's spontaneous giving if you are a spontaneous giver. In other words, I remember I had been giving and giving and, and serving and serving and serving. And uh, there's a scripture that says, he who refreshes others shall himself be refreshed. And man, how many got, get tired sometimes? I mean, I was tired. I mean, I was doing a lot of church work. I was doing a lot of counseling at the time. And I mean, I was working hard. And sometimes when you start working hard like that and you start getting physically tired, you start getting also negative. Everything starts getting on your nerve. Soon as the phone rings, what they want now? <laughs> you in the flesh. So I was almost at the point where I was getting tired. So I knew the, I know the word. I started confessing what I needed. I said, God, you said, he who refreshes others shall himself be refreshed. And I started confessing that thing like 10 times a day. And then something bad happened. I had to terminate somebody. That was not fun. How many know that's not fun? Here it is. I'm confessing. He who refreshes others shall himself be refreshed. And I'm refreshed in Jesus' name. And I have to find somebody. So that night, I went home. And my wife knew I was kind of down. Because I'm a people person, you know. And uh, she said, uh, why don't you call the visitors? This is back in the day when we used to call the visitors. She said, why don't you call the visitors? They'll, they'll kind of make you feel good. I felt so bad. I didn't want to call nobody. And so I said, no, I just want to go to bed. So I was moping around, and I get a call from a member of ours. This is years ago. And they said, Pastor, 
I'm going out of town. We're going out of town. We want to drop our tithe off at your, at your house. Well, they didn't have to do that. I was like, you don't have to drop your tithe off. You're a faithful member. Just, just give it when you get back. Oh, no, we don't want to take God's money with us. We want to leave it right here. And they just pushed me to drop it off by the house. Because so I was there, like, there's no arguing with that particular member. Yeah, I mean, they were just, and so I was like, okay, fine. Just, just bring it by the house. And they didn't know that I was having a bad day. They didn't know I was sad. I had to fire somebody. They didn't know I needed refreshing, but God knew. Right. And so remember now, you confess what you need, not what you see. So I'm confessing that. And so they drop off your tithe in their offering envelope, but then they dropped off like a, a greeting card. Opened up the greeting card. It was for me. And it was a nice greeting card talking about how much uh, they love me. And how much a blessing. And how much of a blessing I was in their life. And he nearly fell apart. I started crying. feeling so good right about then. <laughs> we were glad they were stubborn enough to come. Yeah, I'm glad. I was like, praise the Lord. L- Lord, thank you for using this person. And then yeah. there was a check inside the envelope. So I wanted to see how much the check was. <laughs> Look at the check. The check was for $10,000. How many know I felt refreshed at that point? I'm ready to go to the mall now. You ready to go? Come on, let's go to the mall. Come on, heaven, let's go. And they left my wife an envelope too. Thank God for the member who loved the wife. I said, babe. <laughs> I said, because I showed her mine. I said, what, how many zeros is this? She said, that's 10,000. I was like, wow. I said, babe, they left you one. You may, you may want to open yours right now too. <laughs> she opened it up. Nice card, said some nice stuff. I don't know if her stuff was true. Mine was true. What you mean? I don't know if hers was true or not, but I'm just playing. But she opened it up, had a check in there, $10,000. So watch this now. Watch this now. See, to that person, that was strategic giving. But to me... It was strategic receipt. It was spontaneous because, see, I had done people like that before in my life. Yes, yes, we had. So here's the point again, and we're going to stop right here. You can only reap from what and how you have sown. That's why it says, if you sow sparingly, that's how you're going to reap it. So let me add to that. If you sow inconsistently, that's how you're going to reap. So God wants us to get in the position first that we're trusting him to give on a consistent basis. And I'm so proud of you all because you all have been doing a fantastic job because we're going to get in our building. And I declare right now over you in Jesus name that all of your needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I declare in Jesus' name that all of your dreams and your desires shall come to pass. I declare over you in Jesus' name that as you obey the prophet, so shall you prosper. I declare over you in Jesus' name that uh, you have more than enough, that you stay in more than enough, and you have more than enough to help the kingdom and to help others. And Lord, I declare that this will be a manifestation in their lives, that they will possess more than they ever have. The past is the past, but their future is bright. In Jesus' name, amen.
With every head bowed, you may be here today. You've never accepted Jesus.